0: Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. Hey Amen. it is so good to see all of you here today. It's a, uh, it's a wonderful pleasure to see some of our students come back uh, for the, the upcoming semester and your parents as well. It's great to have you all here. Uh, thank you for the songs that were led this morning and kind of surrounding this idea of the twenty-third Psalm, the Shepherd Psalm, sometimes it's called. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, we are living in uncertain times. Amen? Amen. Uncertainty. Now, have we ever lived in certain times? I don't know if that's ever the case that we we know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen from day to day. But boy, it just seems right now that there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, there's been talk about a recession, an economic recession in this country for. Months and months and months. The Fed's been raising interest rates. How is that going to affect us? It, it, are we going to get a recession first? How is that going to affect us? How is that going to affect? Uh, and you may be thinking about that in terms of your job. It may be, you may be thinking about that in terms of your job prospects if you're in school. And you may be thinking about how it's going to affect your family. You're going to be um, maybe buying a house or a car at some point in the future, and you're going to borrow money, and it's a whole lot more expensive today than it was a year ago or two years ago. You know, some of our family members or we ourselves have um, health issues that are making us uncertain about the future. We are, are uncertain about, well, are, are they going to get better? How is this going to affect my life? If I take this medication, is the cure worse than the disease? Um, will we be permanently changed? Will we survive this? Some of you have children going into school for the very first time. Some of you have children returning to school, maybe for the 14th or 17th time. These are certainly uncertain times. Certain, see what I did there? Certainly uncertain, because the only thing that we can be certain of is the certainty of uncertainty. But in the field of education, I don't care whether you're a, a parent, A student, an administrator, a teacher, an aide, all of the levels of education, things are up in the air. And certain politicians make it even more difficult at every level. What about the future of artificial intelligence? You know, if you've ever used ChatGPT, that's kind of cool. If you've never used it, that's really cool. But we've all seen the movies that take that out to its extension, and you're like, ooh, that gets scary really scary. There's a thing called quantum computing. Really, really cool. but Terrifying as well. Because it can crack your passwords like that. Will they be a blessing or a curse? Or both? Political campaigns are ramping up for the 2024 election cycle. Who will be our new leaders? Or will our old leaders be our continued leaders. This and a lot of other things we can think about and go, and, and probably some of these things you're like, I didn't think about that. That Oh, man. that Now you just made me anxious. You see, uncertainty often causes us to experience anxiety and fear. It doesn't have to, but oftentimes it does. We want to know what's in the future. We want to control things. But as was read this morning in Luke 22, Jesus there said, here's what I would like to see happen, Lord. Take this cup from me. This cup. And we're going to talk later about a cup of blessing. This was not a cup of blessing. This was a cup of pain, a cup of of. Torture, a cup of anxiety. So much so that the capillaries in his face burst. Capillaries, the tiniest little blood vessels, they burst. And and he was sweating as blood. But you see, as Christians, we know that God's word tells us to fear not. In fact, there's over 500 different times in the the King James Version, at least, where the word fear appears. Fear not, some say it appears 365 times. I'm not convinced of that, but it's exactly that number of of times. But it, it appears hundreds and hundreds of times. Fear not, fear God. Which really means reverence God alone and don't fear anything or anyone else. Easy to say, hard to implement, in the time when there is uncertainty about your job, about your kid, about your health, about your parents' health, your spouse's health, on and on. See, just like Jesus, Jesus said, nevertheless, regardless of what I want, Lord, what I want more is what you want. And what God wants for us today is to not be fearful, is to not be anxious. Today, I want us to look at the 23rd Psalm and consider these teachings and the leading by our great shepherd. You see, we can use this Psalm to remember the promises of God, especially in times of uncertainty. We can also remember these promises in times of good health, in times of lack of uncertainty about our jobs or our children or whatever. You see, the, 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 the desire to have things smooth, hey, I, I wish that things were smooth. I wish that things were easy. Yeah, we all do. the question is, what are you going to do? What is your response when things are not going the way that you want them to? You see, when King David was a boy, he looked after his father's sheep. He was a shepherd. And so he knew what he was talking about when he talked about the Lord being his shepherd. But the Lord being his shepherd. And, you know, a shepherd looks after sheep. David, you see, led the sheep. But who led David? The Lord led David. Now, that's a simple thing to say, but let's think about that for a minute. He led the sheep, but who led David? One day, the Lord called David away from a life of looking after the sheep. And we won't go through his entire story that we see in in the Old Testament, But after what you might say a winding road and lots of adventures, David became king of Israel. Psalm 78, he, God, chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the ewes that um, that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. He called David to that job. You see, King David could look back on his life as a shepherd and remember the times when God had helped him. There's a story in 1 Samuel 17. He, he's, he's telling about a bear that came to steal a lamb, and he, and he, and he killed it. He, there was a time when a, um, a lion tried to come and steal a, a sheep. He killed that too. So we could look back on these experiences and talk about the Lord being his shepherd With extreme confidence, I think we can do the same thing. You see, this psalm starts out, and we can probably, most of us, if not all of us, quote part or all of this psalm. It's only six verses. It's a great one to memorize if you haven't already. Parents, it's a great one to help your children memorize. But I want you to notice the first three verses here in Psalm 23. And if you have your Bibles, keep your finger there. We're going to come back, obviously, to this. We're going to go through all of these verses in in Psalm 23, put a marker on it, whatever. But Psalm 23 begins with the sheep bragging about the shepherd. The sheep bragging about the shepherd. Notice. The Lord is my shepherd. That word Lord that we see here in English, YHWH, some pronounce it Yahweh, uh, Jehovah, the that, that that word is very full of meaning. It's the that that descriptor, that definition, that uh word that surrounds the name of God. Sometimes I think we all throw the name of God around too casually. David was not. The Old Testament writers did not. The Lord is my shepherd. And because of that statement, I don't want for anything. Look in Psalm 84. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. I shall not want. He won't withhold anything that's good for us. Does that mean that we're going to get everything that we want? No. Jesus himself prayed for something that did not happen. He prayed for the cup to be taken from him. We see the Apostle Paul praying that his um, affliction in the flesh, his thorn in the flesh, be taken away. It wasn't. Because there's lots of other places where things were prayed for, but it didn't happen. But yet, we won't want. What does that mean? I won't, I won't be in need of anything. Is really what that word means. In fact, Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, he's in the Sermon on the Mount, we call it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. He's talking about things that we need, food and shelter. What is it that you need? What is it that you need at your core? Because that's what God will provide. He will provide salvation, as was talked about this morning. He died to provide that sacrifice, that offering, that Um, bridge, if you will, to restore our relationship with the Father. That we broke. I broke. You broke. We broke it. We broke that relationship because of our sin. All we like sheep have gone astray. Isaiah tells us in 53. But Jesus came to reconcile us back to the Father. We won't be in want. We won't be in a a, a desperate situation because he'll provide for us. In the second verse of Psalm 23, the sheep, David, the the psalmist, but the sheep say, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. What does that mean for a sheep? to lie down in green pastures. It means the good, delicious green grass. Not a bunch of thorns, not a bunch of weeds, not a bunch of, of uh, briars, not a, a, a dry, desolate place. No, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. And then he goes on and says he he leads me beside the still waters. As opposed to what? Well, scary, noisy fast running water in which the sheep might drown you see sometimes sheep do really silly things now i've never been a shepherd i've i've never been really around sheep other than i've walked by them at the at the, at the state fair every once in a while but in my reading i'm told that sheep will really do some silly things like if they're if they're being herded around um, the the ocean somewhere, they'll actually go out into the surf. Maybe there's some grass in in some shallow water. They'll go out and get in the grass. And then when the tide starts to come in, they could drown. That's an example of one of the things that they could do. They could see grass on the other side of a fast-moving body of water and try to get across to it, not really paying attention or not really counting on the cost of the fast-moving water, and they could be swept away. God does not give us permission to do silly things. Tanner talked about that on Wednesday night. His entire message was basically God does not give us permission to do silly things. In fact, he wants us to do the opposite. Do you go into silly places? Do you do things that when you really step, if if a shepherd was to look back, step back and and be on on a bluff, looking down at what you're doing would the shepherd, go, that's not a smart move. And, and it's not a smart move because I can see the danger that's all around you. I, there's a there's danger over there in the, in the fast-moving water. There's danger over there because there's a, 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 a briar patch that you could get stuck in. There's a wild animal over there. And you say, well, how can I see all those things? Well, you may not be able to see those individual things at, at, at the moment, but... Are we doing what the Lord is asking us to do? Are we not doing the things that the Lord has instructed us not to in our lives? There are things that he says to do, to be angry, but don't sin. Yes, anger is a a feeling. It's an emotion. It it happens. But do you let that carry over into sin? Somebody cuts you off in traffic. Yeah, immediately... All kinds of things flare in your body, but then what do you do? Try to catch up to them, to flip them off? Do you have visions of running them off the road? I mean, what is it that, that you that you wind up doing? It doesn't always lead to something dramatic like that. But we, when we think as sheep, and, and we are, the Lord calls us sheep, his sheep. We have to ask ourselves, what are the things that the Lord is telling me to do? The great shepherd is telling me not to do that I'm perhaps ignoring to my own peril. To my own peril. He does not give us permission to go to silly places. He does not give give us permission to go to places that are going to harm us. Yes, we are in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. He does not want us to remove ourselves, put ourselves in monasteries behind high walls and um, be insular. He wants us to be in the world. Why? Because we need to be leavened. We need to be yeast in that, in that bread dough of the world. We need to be light to the world. You take Christians out of the world and the world gets a lot darker fast. Do you think there's any wonder why The Barna research is saying that there's something like 30 to 35% of Americans that really believe that the Bible is true. Church attendance, especially by Gen X, has dropped dramatically. Those born between about 1965 and about 1980 has dropped dramatically during COVID. Why? Because I... And my knuckleheaded friends that are about my same age don't see the importance of church anymore because we can go online or we can do this or we can do that or we just don't see the need. You see, a lot of us, and it's not just Gen X, but that's the one that dropped the most, are going into silly places. We are saying, you know what? I don't need the protection of the shepherd. I'm good. I'm going to go do this whatever this is. I don't need organized religion. I don't need church. I don't need those church people. I'm just going to go do my own thing. And like sheep, we can wind up standing in the grass when the tide comes in. You see, in, in Psalm 23 and 3, he goes on and says, he restores my soul. The shepherd rescues the sheep from dangerous and forbidden places. The Lord restores the life of his people. He he wants very much to do that. He wants very much to have us in a relationship with him. So much so that he sent his son to die. In fact, so much that from the beginning of time, He had a plan to save you and to save me that included the death of his son. Are you allowing him to restore your soul? Or are you ignoring the call of the shepherd? He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You see, the Shepherd knows where the right paths are. There's different options and and more and more as the world basically begins to get smaller, it's so much easier to travel these days for the most part. It's easier for us to to do things one of one of the things that I find um, in in working with with younger people is uh, college high school college age one of the things that that tends to really affect their lives is the fact that they have so many choices choices about where they live choices about their major choices about their vocation choices about in in, in some cases uh, um, who they date and, and who they marry my my um, my set was a lot smaller it was a lot less choice because um, I didn't have just all kinds of girlfriends there was Fewer choices, I believe, for me. But there's so many choices now. And praise the Lord for that. That's wonderful. But that comes with um, paralyzing decisions to make. But you see, the Lord leads in the paths of righteousness. Not to say that he's going to make your choices about who you marry and where you live and where you work and all those kinds of things. That's not what this is saying. But the paths of righteousness he leads to. The Lord has given us his word, the Bible, to guide us and to teach us his way. You know, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, cheap. The, the, the Lord is telling us, the Holy Spirit is telling us through the Apostle Paul, writing this letter to the Apostle, to, to the uh, young evangelist Timothy, saying, Here's some some wisdom. It's profitable for doctrine. It's for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. You want to know where, how the shepherd leads us in the paths of righteousness? It's through Scripture. That, or so that, the man of God may be complete or perfect in the King James, thoroughly equipped for every good word. I love those two words there, thoroughly and every. It's not leaving anything out. There's no gaps there. No gaps that are vitally important. Now it also says, back in Psalm 23, 3, for his name's sake. What does that mean? You see, the shepherd looks after his sheep properly so that People don't think that the the, the shepherd is somehow inattentive or foolish. When we disobey God, we actually sully his good name. We actually dishonor his name. So here is David, the shepherd, talking about his great shepherd, bragging about his great shepherd, and basically reminding the reader and himself That when I disobey God, when I don't follow him in the paths of righteousness, which means by definition I'm following him in the paths of unrighteousness, that it's not for his name's sake. It's it's actually hurting his good name. You see, Jesus the good shepherd, in John chapter 10, John said this. He said, Jesus um, said this, rather, John wrote it down. I am the good shepherd. I am that shepherd that David was talking about. And you see, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. There was nothing more important for a shepherd than to take care of every single one of those sheep. The shepherd calls his sheep by his name. I read I've read stories, read, read accounts where you would have multiple flocks of sheep come into a clearing for good good grass, multiple different flocks. And this is before the days of branding and chipping and all those kinds of things where you can separate. But the sheep knew the voice of the shepherd. And when it came time to remove the sheep from the grazing area and go into an area for them to maybe get water or maybe for them to move on, the sheep know. And they just begin to follow the voice of the shepherd. Are you following the voice of the shepherd? Or are you wandering around, listening to that voice and then this voice? And maybe you're not hearing it at all. You've got your headphones in and you're just eating grass, completely ignoring. You ever come across somebody like that on the street? Walking along, you've seen videos of it. Boing, right into the light pole. Yeah. Bale Army, look it up. And it's funny because you think, well, how ridiculous is that? The shepherd's going, um, that's not a smart move. Take your headphones out. But sometimes we get so caught up, I get so caught up in my own head, in my the own voice inside my head, that I fail to listen to the voice of the shepherd. You see, Jesus is the shepherd of Israel, Psalm 80. But his flock, his people, include those of every nation throughout all time who follow him. Are you his sheep? Or are you just hanging around in the flock to get the good grass, and then when the flock moves somewhere else, you're like, no, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go that way. I'm going to do my own thing. We're all guilty of that from time to time. I'm guilty of that. But again, the shepherd calls us back. Now, let's go on to Psalm 23 4. The last three verses or so of this, it's the sheep's response to the good shepherd. So the first three verses is bragging on the shepherd. Now there's a response. As we said in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. But when we know Jesus as our good shepherd, which we just looked at in John 10, then we have these bragging rights. When we know him as the good shepherd, we have bragging rights. Hey, this is my shepherd. I won't want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. That's what my shepherd does for me. In fact, that can be part of our message to the world is I know the good shepherd. One of the distinguishing marks of the good shepherd is his compassion toward an otherwise leaderless, rudderless people. Look at what what is said here in Mark 6. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. Jesus is saying that's a sad situation to see a sheep without a shepherd because you know what's going to happen? That sheep will get in trouble. Some way, somehow. Its it's wool will get stuck in briars and it can't move. An animal will get it. It'll fall off a cliff. It'll go into the water that it shouldn't be in. Something's going to happen. So Jesus said he began to teach them many things. He saw them and had compassion. So having told the other sheep about the good shepherd, the sheep now address him in person. Look at what's said here in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no no evil for you, good shepherd, are with me. So he was talking to other sheep about the shepherd. Now he's talking directly to the shepherd. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You are with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. And then finally, just in case the the sheep still has fears in the valley, in the dark valley, the psalm ends with this reassurance, this this kind of personal reflection uh, the, the psalmist says. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord's mercies are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Sound like one of the songs we sang this morning? Lamentations 3? I think it's it's beautiful that someone has set just that text to, to music. Maybe it was a song you knew. Maybe it's, it was newer to you. I don't know, but it's... Um, they are new every morning, just like the manna that was provided to the children of Israel who were in the in the wilderness. That food was there for them consistently, consistently. It was there every day. It failed not. First Samuel 7, and then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. He set up a stone, a stone of remembrance, a a monument, if you will. You see, in the valley, death is a shadow. That's verse four. Look in there. Since I am walking in the paths in which the good shepherd is leading me, I don't have to yield to fear. I am going, as my dear uncle would say, through the valley. Notice the words there. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Come back to it. Through the valley. In in a valley, are there shadows? Yes. Except for a brief moment in time when the sun's right overhead, there's shadows all the time, morning and evening. But since I'm walking in those paths, His rod and his staff, they comfort me and I don't have to fear. You have to fear when you're all by yourself. You have to fear when you're not following the shepherd. Now, you may or may not be aware that the shepherds, that you're not inside of the shepherd. You may or may not be aware of that. You may be blissfully ignorant. I say blissfully facetiously. Or you may know that. The word of God is what's not guiding your life. It's something else or someone else. What's guiding you? What is guiding you? Countless times in the Bible, we hear the Lord or his angel or Jesus saying, Fear not. Isaiah 41, Luke 2, John 16. We can go on and on and on. There's hundreds, hundreds of them. We're also said to fear or told, instructed, guided, taught by the, the shepherd to fear God. Which means not fear anything else. The comfort of the rod and the staff is that they ward off enemies. One brings us back in to the fold. The other wards off enemies. But they also keep me on the right path. You see, we have the comfort of the Holy Ghost. John 14. Oops. But the helper, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Which is exactly what Paul talked about to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is going to inspire you to write things. It's going to inspire you to teach things and to help you bring to remembrance all the things that I taught you. And we're told nothing's been held back from us. All scripture is profitable. It's God-breathed and profitable. This passage here in Psalm 23 and 5, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. That's a place of feasting. For the sheep, that's a, that's a plateau, that's a flat piece of ground that was prepared by the good shepherd it was, or was sought out by the good shepherd. It's been cleared of weeds. It's been cleared of briars. It's been cleared of, of, of rocks. It's lush with great grass. There's both literal and spiritual applications here for us as believers. Just that the Lord provided will, uh, manna in the wilderness, as we talked about in Exodus chapter 16, He provides us our daily bread. Matthew chapter 6. Give us this day our daily bread. But in the Bible, he also feeds us with his words, and they are a delight to us, Psalm 119. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. You see, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits me nothing. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Enemies, spiritual predators can only look on when I'm in the care of the good shepherd. Our adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeks whom he may devour, 1 Peter 5. But sometimes we like to tempt the lion by getting as close as possible. We want to get up close to the lion and go, ah effectively, or we want to say, you can't get me. You can't get me here. we I mean, were like five-year-olds. Me too. We want to tempt the devil to come and get us. You ever played You ever played tag? You ever played tag and you, 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 know, you do something like this to, to avoid the tag, or maybe it's dodgeball you're playing, and the ball's coming right at you and you're able to duck out of the way? That's pretty cool when you're able to do that. But oftentimes, what I do, I, I duck and boom, <clears throat> it's me right in the face. What I did a long time ago. I never was nimble enough, sly enough to, to you know, get away from very many of them. I, I took plenty of them right in the chest, right in the nose. Are you tempting the devil to come get you? Or are you thinking you're immune? That's it, you're immune. It's not going to get me. Look how big I am. Look how smart I am. Look how fast I am. Look how well-reasoned I am. Look how well-educated I am. Silly sheep we are. This anointing here in Psalm 23 and 5 is a salve for healing. It's the application of oil. Also, it would deter parasites back in the day before... Ibamec and other kinds of things you could put on animals to keep bugs and, and things away. It's also great uh, grease for the ram's horns so that they would not batter each other to death. You see, the Lord tends to our spiritual injuries and he applies the ministry of the Holy Spirit to our individual situations through his word. The, the, the word has applications for what you are doing and going through, whatever that is no matter how serious that is, no matter how troubling that is. And this overflowing cup, that really talks about the kind of medicine that the shepherd might uh, give the, the sheep. And it's really a, a, a metaphor for the abundance that the sheep finds when it rests under the good shepherd's care. In other words, when we're under the, the good shepherd's care, our cup flows uh, flows over. When we're outside, There's going to be times when we're hungry and times when we're full. There's going to be times when we're empty and times when we're doing okay. But our cup flows over when we're in his care. The cup of Christ's suffering, which he drank to the full, we talked about earlier, that's what fills our cup with this overflow of spiritual blessings. Look in Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Where'd that come from? How do we get that overflowing cup? It comes from Jesus who gave himself for us. So in this last verse, verse 6, the sheep reassures us, itself, all that will hear that the mercy and the love of the good shepherd, that he's got our back. effectively. David is saying, on our behalf, my dwelling will always be with him. Why would I walk away from that? Why would I not be under his care? Why would I not be obedient and listen to his voice? I think this is a response of faith to all that has occurred so far, all that had happened in David's life specifically, but all that's happened in all of our lives. No matter how long you've been on the planet, you've seen some things. You've been through some things. But yet we all have things to come. So this, what he's saying here, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a response in confidence in the present and assured hope concerning all that's to come. I want to close today with a prayer. It's a prayer that we find in Hebrews 13. Now, may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will. Working you in you what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. A beautiful prayer. A prayer I offer on your behalf. A prayer that the author of, of Hebrews offers on all of our behalfs. I pray that you can have that peace. I pray that you can have that confidence, that faith, that no matter what happens, the good shepherd has your back. The good shepherd loves you. We have a responsibility as sheep, but when we are obedient, when we hear the voice of the good shepherd, he is faithful and just. And our dwelling place will be with him forever. If you have a need, a spiritual need this morning that we can help with, please let us know as we sing this song. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.